to The Third Wheel. This is episode 10, and today we are going to be talking about chapters, oh god, of course I don't have it, 28, 28 through 33 in The Great Hunt. I am Tyler, and I am joined by... Bion. And... Jesse. Hooray. Ta-da. Ta-da. Um, yeah, kind of a low-energy, sad section for low energy sad people yeah yeah <laughs> um this just in we're sad yeah i figured to kind of liven things up um you know the show is filming now and so i know it's a little late um but i was gonna go ahead and record my um audition tape and I figured when better to do it than right now. Um, so, Jesse, if you can just edit in music at the appropriate parts, uh, and then, Bion, you're going to play a bystander. And, um, you know, one of the biggest problems when adapting is that you can't read the character's thoughts. And so I figured probably going to need to write in uh, someone for Rand's thoughts, and I'm going to be playing that character as kind of a hype man. Is now when I say that? No. Oh. Is now when you say that? No. Oh. Have you ever... You know what? Never mind. This is all falling apart. I feel like you have never read anything off of a script before. Probably not. Well, since the bit has broken down, there was going to be a whole thing. I was going to do like a like a wrestling intro for Rand about cat crossing the courtyard for. See, your issue was thinking that Beyond would play along with literally anything. Well, I'm going to go ahead and have Beyond read the line because I still think it's, I, I think if you hear the line from Beyond's mouth, you will sort of understand the tone that I was going for with this bit. What am I going for? Am I just speaking? I mean, say it however you think is appropriate. By my age grandmother, that doobie ran out doors music. What are you doing? That's what that, with that's, your life. That's what that sort of phrasing looks like if I would read it. Like by my aged grandmother, that doobie ran out doors music. That's a little closer. Tyler, beggars can't be choosers. The, I guess not. The, the phrasing of that doobie makes me really want to have that sort of voice with it. It has a little bit of that nasally, quick talk. I well. Don't know. You know, it was going for like a, um, like a Bale Domon kind of by my aged grandmother, that doobie Althor's music. Yeah, I'm I'm just getting a little bit of like... A little cl- bit of Texas? Cl- clutching like your 7-Eleven Slurpee, Ooh. almost. I don't know what you're saying. I don't know, that's just the vibe I get, like... I know, what, I know what you're saying. I'm rescuing us from this trash fire of a bit by starting I the podcast. I wasn't in high school theater, okay? Giving himself credit for rescuing us from the <laughs> trash fire he built. Is Tyler a politician? <laughs> this is a very... Um, God, of course I'm blanking on the name. Whoever's in charge of the White Cloaks type move. That is a Wheel of Time reference. 
the series we're reading. The series we're reading. Whoa. God, I hope we can move on to talking about it. When there was the POV from the White Cloaks guy in these upcoming chapters, I was legitimately confused. I was like, wait, who are you? He was in the first book. And earlier in this book. I was just like, I, I, I forgot about him as a character. Well, he's also not the guy that I'm referring to, but yes. Well, we'll get to that chapter pretty soon. Will we? I guess we'll have to start. And we'll start with chapter 28. A new thread in the pattern. And the new thread is Perrin. Yeah, he's been here, but it's felt like so long. It's like meeting him all over again. I don't know if you knew this, but Ingtar's really gotta find the Horn of Valir. Gotta find it. Gotta get the horn. The horn. Gotta get the horn. Uh, Yeah, Perrin is hanging out with the Shinaran soldiers, including Ingtar, who, this just in, has gotta get the horn. Perrin is kind of the linchpin of this group still being able to track Rand and Fane. And Rand is... A killer of shadows, a shadow killer, if you will, to the according wolves. to the wolves. Yes. yes, that's a very literal name. Do you get it? Do I get it? I do get it. <laughs> He's the shadow killer. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're going along on their journey for some period of time. Matt is progressively getting worse, despite Varen doing everything she can to not make him get worse. And then when they are. Going along, they come across an Aiel, who is just kind of standing there, wanting to talk to them. And the Shinarans don't want to talk. Yeah, probably because of all the Shinarans that died to Aiel in the war. Oops, Um, all dead. I have a few notes on pieces of information that are revealed here, but Bion, if you have anything that you picked up on that isn't listed, please feel free to chime in. Is this where the prophecies are talked about? Some of them. Where the Aiel, if they fail again, the bad things will happen. Something about their interactions with Aes Sedai. Yeah, specifically when you're talking about failing, they're talking about failing the Aes because they said that they failed them once before. Sorry, y'all, we failed. Um, we're exiled now into these deserts. Don't hate us, bye. The Threefold Land is a shaping stone to make them, a testing ground to prove their worth, and a punishment for the sin. The sin. Yes. Not capitalized. Just emphasized. Just emphasized as the sin. Isn't there a character coming up that has a last name of sin? Either that or I just misread something. I swear there was a, like, some guy starts with the name M, last name Sin. This is me sidetracking. I guess we'll find out. Although, I don't remember that. So the Aiel have a group of women called the Wise Ones who can channel. And then there's this place called Ruidion where the ones who lead the Aiel are tested to see if they are strong enough. Oh, and then also casually, there's this guy who is he who comes with the dawn. Who who knows who that could be? That seems like a really loaded title. Well, he, like... You'll understand. He comes with the dawn. Also, whoever he who comes with the dawn is will conquer under the ancient symbol of the Aes Sedai. Which, look out for that, because it's kind of cool when it happens. 
is that the wheel? No, that's the two sides of the yin yang. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because right now it's just the white side for the women. Ah. They cut out the black side because the men are cray cray. Men are bad. This just in. The black side is now the dragon's fang that people scribble on people's doors. Yeah, because it's evil. I see. So this chapter is just sort of the beginning of actually seeing the Aiel are cooler than you, dot JPEG. That's going to be the rest of the series. Yeah, we kind of just get a little bit of intro to the existence of the Aiel and learn something about them. Which is cool, because I think for a while they just keep showing up. You know, once every 30 chapters. So one last thing before the chapter ends, we transition to uh, Varen, who, as Ingtar is like, got to get the horn. Varen's like, I got to find Rand. I like to imagine them curled up in the fetal position on their horses next to each other, like in unison talking about what they got to find. I'm sorry. hard. On, in the fetal position on their horse? That sounds really difficult. Well, listen, she's an Aes Sedai. You just wouldn't understand their ways. Have you ever ridden a horse, honey? No. Yeah. H- have you ever been an Aes Sedai? No, but I've ridden a horse before. Are we still continuing on chapter 28? Or are we going to go to chapter 29 now? Is there anything else to say with chapter 28? No, chapter 28 is kind of just a, hey, the Aiel exists. Let's move on. And at the end of the chapter, they say that they're pretty much in Kyrian now. So, yeah. So Some geographical information as to where we are literally in the story. Yeah, yes. they will. They will be in the city of Kyrian in this section. Okay. So I think we're good. <laughs> Chapter 29 brings us to Sean Chan. Well, it brings us the Sean Chan. We don't go to Sean Chan. Sean Chan is. You told me it was Sean Chan. It can be whatever you want. Don't worry about it. None of these sound right to me at all. Well, that's because I haven't revealed to Bione what the accent is yet, which I will, but not until we get to the part where they talk. Because supposedly you said that I could, I, I mimic that accent sometimes, but my voice falls into weird things all the time. Well, Jesse says you mimic it, but I don't know that I've heard you do it quite as aggressively as I imagine it. We'll okay. reveal it when we get there. So chapter 29, we are back with Bornhold on Almuth Plain. He is investigating a village that he's passing through, which is having an issue with someone between the Terraboners, the Questioners, these strange invading peoples, uh, it's tough to tell who's the problem. Yeah, he's hearing some wild rumors. Yeah, which we will get to some of the wild rumors and how true they are in this chapter. Bornhold continues to be the one white cloak that is chill in all of creation. Even then, he's still intimidating, he's just also not insane which is a nice change he's the one person that doesn't insist that anyone that doesn't give him anything he wants is a dark friend yeah you know like a reasonable human being yeah i pulled out this quote what dark friends i've seen nothing in any village he has ordered or taken except farmers and craftsmen worried that we will burn their livelihoods and a few old women who tend to the sick 
Byer's face was a study in lack of expression. He was always readier than Bornhall to see dark friends. And children, Byer? Do children here become dark friends? And it's literally the first time we've heard anything like this from a white cloak. So, hey, yeah. he's not a total cartoon bad guy. Yeah, I really like that quote. He's like, he's like a real person that isn't completely twisted. And not just on a witch hunt. Yeah. But he's tagging along with people that are on a witch hunt and not really doing anything about it. Hmm. Which is in its issue in its own way. But at least he's like not as much of a garbage man. He'll give you some water while you're imprisoned for being a dark friend. So he brings somebody to be questioned to try and figure out what's actually going on. And then we cut to Bale Domon, who, by his aged grandmother, do be trying to make an honest living. <laughs> uh, he has heard some tales of these Shanchan who destroy the earth and call lightning, uh, have the heads of insects, and bring monsters into battle with them. That seems very overpowered. <laughs> well, yeah, really. And when they finish conquering a town, they make everybody there swear a bunch of oaths take away some women, install new leaders, and then leave and generally don't come back. And these are oaths that they said these people made long ago but forgot. Yes. And I think it's kind of fitting that the Shanchan's sort of mode of governance here of making people swear some oaths and then leaving with only the threat of them coming back later, pe keeping people in line, sort of mirrors their pattern of having left the continent thousands of years ago and now coming back and expecting people to remember them and bow to them mm -hmm. like it's very consistent with the culture yeah the shanchan are endlessly fascinating are they human we'll find out yes but also it yes did you not pick up on that see them take off their helmets and these people thinking that they have insect heads are just seeing their helmets Okay, that's what I thought. I just was confused. Yeah, they're people. The only town that they have remained in is Falm, which, in case you didn't know, is on Tom and Head. Do you think we're going to Tom and Head? I don't know if you've read this book so far, but we might be going to Tom and Head. Hmm. Hmm. Nothing could go wrong. So, back to Domon, he is... The reason he's thinking about these Shanchan is that a ship of them is pursuing him. And he's thinking, you know, might be able to outrun him. And then the water starts to explode uh, with fire around columns his ship. Columns of fire. Yeah, columns of fire uh, exploding in the sea around him. And he's like, maybe not. He decides to stop, let them board... Imagine how terrifying if, like, water police were like that. <laughs> water police? Water police? Yeah. I don't know. What's a water police? Police that are on the water. Is this not a thing in this world? Like a, a, a legal... Like in the Wheel of Time? Yeah, like a like, law enforcement. Like, do the cops not have jet skis? That I don't they... know, just Were like... you talking about the Coast Guard? Maybe. I'm just... Do you mean in real life or in the book? Both? What are you talking about? There's no water police in the book. Okay. Well, I don't know. Is with, with, with water, if there's pirates, there's usually a legal force that are against pirates and people doing bad things <laughs> on ships. 
So just imagine if, like, the side of the law had giant fire columns. That'd be terrifying. I can see that. I think our water policing people have, like, assault rifles, so that's a little scary, too. But Yeah, our police are terrifying. Please continue. I keep derailing. I... And I'm not even inebriated under anything. It is just pure fatigue. So the Sean Chun board, the sea spray. And Bale Doman says that the Sean Chun speaks with a soft slurring that made her hard to understand. Yes. I speak with soft slurs. Do you speak with a lot of slurs? <laughs> Sir, that's my emotional support slur. <laughs> Um, no, they're Texan. Yeah, they're from Texas. These terrifying insect people are from Texas. May the emperor live forever, you hear? <laughs> you literally put like the slurred e on Texas there. I don't even know if you realized it, but I did. It did it get? Oh, you're doing it. <laughs> But I still like to imagine it being as, like, thick and cartoonishly overdone as possible. So, was my to-do-be incorrect earlier? No, you were right on. Yeah, they wouldn't say doobie, but that's the correct accent. Okay. Yeah. Because that's definitely what I was getting from it with that phrasing. In editing this podcast, I've listened to your voice a lot and noticed how often you slip into a southern drawl yeah. really yeah they just have a do i slip into other accents no it's usually just the southern drawl you just did it again i d- oh <laughs> I've, I've only been to texas once i think and i really apologize if there's like ever people from the south who listen to our podcast no i don't think like if you're doing you're doing it unintentionally you don't even realize you're doing it i don't think anyone's offended oh. it's just kind of funny it's just something I realized after listening for a long time. I've done it before. In middle school, I did one of the uh, presentations in a British accent. And then for my first year uh, French final, it was supposed to be in French, but I did English with a French accent, and I still got a good grade. So I think it was also because the teacher hated existence. But, like, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like the definition of a failing project. But <laughs> anyways... Well, the Shanchan are not French. <laughs> They're from Texas. Texas. Well, I mean, the Creole with the Louisiana, the whole French and um, that sort of thing. Never mind. The historical context of America does not matter. No. At least right now. At least in right this now. Podcast. In this specific <laughs> podcast, it, the <laughs> ramifications of colonialism in America does not matter. Although the Shanchan are kind of trying to manifest destiny their way back into Randland. Rude. But I mean, they were there first. Hmm. Were they though? That's a thinking emoji for me. I mean, weren't they? Who knows? I'm not necessarily reading this book super deeply, so don't 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 count on me for details like that. Well, you also wouldn't know. Anyway, well, I mean, supposedly their Arthur Hawkwing's arm, army returned, so some might call them the Watchers over the waves. Hawkwing does not sound southern; it sounds British and Butler esque. <laughs> 
Well, the breaking of the world. Everything got all flipped, turned upside down. Anyways, they board his ship. They board his ship. So there's the woman in charge who is... Um, a Guinan. Yes, and she is in this insectoid armor that's sick. She's also got some other soldiers with her and a pair of women, one of whom has a bracelet that leads to a leash and collar around the neck of the other. Kinky. Wow. Uh, Bion, can you do me a favor and please read the highlighted word? With the accent or without the accent? However you feel most comfortable. Either domain or demand. It is demani. What? Yep. Well, at least in the audiobook, which this is just another one of those where, like, I heard the word while I was listening and then was like, wait, 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 what? And had I to refuse. go back. Yeah, I it's, could, it's I could Damien. see Damien-y. It It's Damien. But, like, with their accent, I could see it being Domain. Domain. They Anyways. Domain. Listen, Beyond's the accent expert, <laughs> so. I mean, that kind of works, uh... They do be domain. Hmm. Well, that's Bill Doman's voice pattern. Um, These are the domain you hear? I really don't think that's Texan. I mean, I don't... Hmm. I don't know. Have you ever been to Texas? Once. Well, it was too warm. It's once more than I have. Some people are saying that they think they might cut this element from the show i really hope not are they necessary do they provide oh the shanshan yeah or no the domain whoa they're like a core part of the character development for one of the five i know hmm really hope they don't get cut yeah that would me be too. upsetting i feel like people are just randomly throwing out things that they think might get cut to make people upset do you think they're gonna cut rand <laughs> yeah. Bio, no. Someone tell Josh Stradowski that he's been cut. You've been canceled. We took another look at the script. I don't think you're necessary. Anyway, the day main, the are uh, it translates to leashed ones. Side note: they can apparently be bought with money. So, in addition to the like implied slavery thing it is absolutely 100% just slavery but don't worry it's magical slavery <laughs> so it's fine um i will say kind of in their defense like i think every character mentions that there's another culture in that world that actively practices slavery and like Every single person that mentions it mentions that it's disgusting. So, like, at least for the Damani... Why did I just do that? I tried to pronounce it the way that it is in the audiobook, and I failed. For the Dasani. Um. For the Dasani... <laughs> a bottle cap is like a leash. At least for them, like, there's a justification. They're not just, like, hyped about slavery. Is is this the thing, because it's a magical slavery, does it have to do with how power is channeled, as in they have to be we'll find restrained out. by another person? Did you know that there is a chapter later in this book called Daymain? Now I do. Well, we'll get to that later. So, 
Damien, Leashed Ones, uh, Bought With Money. He, uh, Domon is talking to the Shanshan and is commanded to go to Falm and to re-swear his oaths before he is allowed to go on with his life. And they leave a couple of soldiers on the ship to make sure that he goes. That's just like militant missionaries. Yeah. Uh, they're militant everything yes they are very much a militant culture it's very much America. Archer Hawkwing's armies returned yeah you might say that it's a culture that sprung up from armies only with presumably very little non-army personnel I mean at least this army has uh, looks like some gender equality Mm-hmm. But it also seems like the question of... They also have one, women on leashes. Yeah. Well, no, but like of, of the power dynamic. But then I was going to lead into, it's like that one comedian where, he, where in an interview was like, do you think Margaret Thatcher had girl power? Kind of in the like, women in power aren't inherently feminist. Yeah. Yep, makes sense. You look confused, Tyler. I am confused. Because of that comparison I just made about the power I dynamics. I mean, the Sianshan Shan Chan literally Shan-chan have an empress. Yeah, so, they have an empress. Yeah, there's a woman in power, but they also have women in magical collars. Yeah. I just think it's interesting because traditionally if you think of military, you think of some macho bros. Not necessarily ladies. But again, just because something's... Full of ladies or matriarchal does not mean it's an inherently more fair, just, etc. Yeah. Hey, we have a culture that isn't just one note. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> There's a you, few of those in this book. You won't believe. Domon goes to Falm. He is literally crying and shaking right now when he <laughs> finds out that there are hundreds of ships in the harbor. Uh, he says he counts, a, he stops at 100 and he's less than halfway through. And he says that they're all massive. He said that he's seen fleets of 100 or 200 ships before, but some of them are like little schooners. Yeah, these are like these are... big boats. I don't know boats, so. Yeah. Well, also these ships are apparently of like totally different designs than he's used to. They're like Yeah, they squares. said they're like box-shaped. Um, they just, the Shanshan just float around on crates. Uh, Utmost efficiency. Yes. <laughs> Think of all the space we can use. Uh, so Domon lands, uh, gets off the ship, and he's being led to see the High Lord Tarak. Tarak? Tarak. He sees some sort of strange bear frog-like creature with a beak and three eyes. Chimera? 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 No, it's uh, one of the Grom, right? Yes. Thank you. One of the Grom from the Elseworld? Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. They also yeah. have, like, lizard cat things. Yeah. Which sound badass. They have a lot of creatures. I feel like a lizard cat would hate you even more than a normal cat. <laughs> Nah, because reptiles kind of do their own thing as pets, and then cats also do their own thing as pets. So the two of them together, that's just dangerous. Uh, Yeah, that's how they like it. Are you looking for something? Yeah, I was trying to look up some uh, 
some pictures because they have a bunch of animals. Yeah, so I think it's this one. That makes me uncomfortable. Well, it's too muscled. It's too beefy. Sucks to be you, I guess. Now it looks like a dog with a skinned condition. <laughs> well, that's what it looks like. Doctor, you need to fix them. The Shan Shan have a number of animals. We'll get around to all of them eventually. Yeah. And Doman also notes that the native local Falm people are allowed to keep their weapons. Yeah, because they're not a threat in any way, theoretically. Yeah, it's like, they swore their oaths. Why shouldn't they have their weapons? The Shan Shan yeah, are trusting. Yeah, I just like their general blaseness about oaths and just expecting people to keep their oaths. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, it's just a very consistent part of their culture that are they're like shocked and offended. Binding? No. No. S- some are, not necessarily these. Yeah. Is it based on honor then? Kind of Fire Nation style, like on my honor? Kinda, yeah. Pretty okay. much. They're just like shocked and disgusted that they come back and people aren't like diligently waiting for their return because they swore they would a thousand years ago. Yeah. I guess we just gotta remind you, and then you'll follow the oaths. Yeah, there are oaths in book five that characters act like the ones that swear them are crazy for breaking them. Which, I don't know, I guess it's just a thing in these books. Nobody's invented lying yet. <laughs> My father is Tam Althor. Oh, so someone did invent it. <laughs> I am a simple sheep herder. I'm a sheep I am not Aiel, and I am not an Aes Sedai puppet. Does that mean historically Aiel were Aes Sedai puppets? Based on what we know, yeah, but they, then they screwed something up. Yeah, and now they are punished for their sin by living in a desert for however many thousands of years. That speaks of some unhealthy power dynamics. Yeah, that's an abusive relationship. That's a big hmm. Yeah. You're going to want to get counseling. <laughs> Okay, Domon finally gets to the High Lord Tarak, who um, is presented with the Quendalar seal and tells Domon that he won't be leaving. Uh, you're going to stay here and hang out, and we're going to talk about how sick Quendalar is. Seriously? Uh, like, I mean, that's what he says, and the High Lord Tarak. The Shanshan, I don't know if you've heard, are not a people that lie. So, presumably that is in fact why Domon is being kept. But what is so interesting about Domon? He... It's about the stuff he had. Yeah, he had Quendalar, and hey, Quendalar's cool, so we're gonna sit and talk about it. I can see the gears turning. No, I just... I, I clearly was not very engaged while reading this, and all of this, I'm just kind of... Well, this is kind of a slow section. And we've been going through this chapter very slowly. I think the rest is going to kind of move through pretty quick, though. Yeah, it's just that these first two chapters give us a lot of information about the Aiel and the Shanshan that we've never heard before. Yeah. So it's worth talking about. The rest of it stuff is happening. And uh, Rand is boring. Whoa! <laughs> Except for one particular bet. There's one particular thing with Rand that I like. I'll be interested to hear. So chapter 30... Dice Demar, Rand continues to be frustrated by Hurin getting more and more formal. 
Uh, more invitations arrive this time from Barthanus and King Laman, who are like the two top dogs of Kyrian. Randus recommended do not burn them under any circumstances, which I really liked the explanation, which was like he could get away with continuing to burn invitations as time went on because nobody could touch him while they thought that he was maybe playing for one of these two people in charge, but that like if he makes it clear that he is not working for either of them, then he is fair game and someone is going to kill him immediately. Or them. Or, yeah. So, Rand hangs on to the invitations. He takes Loyal for his daily check at the gates to see if Ingtar or Selene have turned up and gets nothing. Um, hmm? One thing. Loyal uh, mentions, he says, I suppose it's too bad we cannot reach sh- Shedding Sofu. Steading. Shedding. Steading. Steading. suppose... I suppose it is too bad we cannot reach Steading Sofu. Trollocks would never come into a Steading, which seems like a good place to put the horn. Hmm. Why, why do they want to bring it to Shinar specifically? Uh, it's just that Rand really likes Angel Man. Yeah, I think Rand is probably like not going to deviate from the plan. The plan was bring it back. We're bringing it back. Uh-huh. I mean, it is definitely a better place to put it, although Dark Friends could come in. And the Ogier may not be as well equipped to. They just gotta put some that. long handles on their axes. Whoa. He knows the reference. So the guy that Rand and Loyal are talking to is clearly lying about something. I mean, he's lying about a number of things, so it's not clear which of them he's lying about more than the rest. Rand decides to just go back to the inn, uh, and it's been set on fire. There's also a moment where after. Rand is thinking about all the problems he's having because people think he's a lord. And he says, Moraine, he thought bitterly. She's still causing me trouble. Almost immediately, though, if reluctantly, he admitted that she could hardly be blamed for this. It sounds like he should teach Nenev lessons. Nenev learns lots of lessons. Don't get on... Listen, she's my sweet, perfect character. I am your spouse. Sorry. (laughs) Nah, it's... I understood what you were going But for. does Jesse understand? I don't what, think you're so. You're telling him to stop ogling this fictional character? Anyway. <laughs> uh, Rand is back at the inn, which is now on fire. This is fine. Huron and the chest are upstairs, and he goes to grab them. Loyal comes along to grab the chest, which they... Get upstairs and, hey, there's no chest, just a Huron. Um, so they grab him, they make their way out, and... Rand also has to make a decision about whether or not to go back for the banner. Oh, yes. Which he does. He needs that banner. Um, yeah, Moraine said his life might depend on it. Hmm. And it sounds like he's actually listening to her. Well, she can't lie, so... It may depend on it. A lot of things may depend on something else. But so Rand is outside, like asking people for help, um, trying to find the Kyrenan version of a wisdom before he's told like, hey, your guy is beyond help. 
Um, he's going to die from the smoke inhalation. And as Rand is coming to grips with this, uh, Matt shows up and is like, hey, we figured that uh, building on fire was you. <laughs> it's your signature, right? Yeah. And Rand starts laughing about them being too late. He's just like cackling in the middle of the street. What Rand a guy. Rand and the no good, very bad day. Rand and the no good, very bad life. It's a tough time for Randolph Thor. Um, so we move on to chapter 31 on the scent. So Varen shows up hot on Matt's heels uh, to heal Huron and Rand. The three of them, plus loyal Matt, Perrin, and Ingtar, all head off to a different inn that Varen is staying at. And on the way, hey, we don't have the horn anymore. You're too late. When they get there, Rand has a very introspective bath, which all my baths are pretty introspective, I feel like. Yeah, so the bit that I wanted to talk about was on their way to the inn. Mm-hmm. So I think Varen had just healed Huron. Mm-hmm. Rand nodded. They must have put him in a cart or on a horse. Once they get it beyond the foregate, they'll join the Trollocs again for sure. You'll be able to follow that trail, Huron. I will, my lord. Then you'll rest until you're fit, Rand told him. At best, they will only be a few hours ahead of us. If we ride hard... Suddenly, he noticed that the others were looking at him. Baron and Ingtar, Matt and Perrin. He realized what he had been doing, and his face colored. I'm sorry, Ingtar. It's just that I've become used to being in charge, I suppose. I'm not trying to take your place. And for me, this is pretty much the seminal moment for Lord Rand. Like, this is the part that sticks with me as far as Rand's character development for this book. Like, when I think about this book, this is the moment I think about for Rand. Hmm. Uh, I know... Yeah. So, I mean, for people that have read Worm, this is something that Tyler likes to talk about a lot, is that in Worm, it's a real treat when you get to see the main character from the other character's perspectives. And this is sort of like that. Like, we're seeing how much Rand is used to being in charge and how much it actually suits him now. And we're going to get a lot more talk about that later in the chapter. But for me, this is just the moment I think about when I think about Rand's development in this book. Hmm. I guess I'm the only one that found it interesting. I mean, it's an interesting moment. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Rand uh, goes through a lot of growth across the whole book. And this is kind of the first moment that he's now back with the full full hashtag squad i just don't really have feelings about rand yeah you might be barking up the wrong tree with beyond on that one me showing any sort of enthusiasm no yeah i don't know he will continue to grow into being in charge for he goes through a lot of growth in the series so, after that moment, arrive at the inn, introspective bath, uh, Rand burns the letters from Celine and heads down to hang out with everybody else now that they're all back in a safe space, in their hashtag safe space. He changes into a different fly outfit, a black coat with silver herons on the high collar and silver rapids ran down the sleeves. Rand only has cool coats only wears the flyest threads 
Rand arrives in the private dining room and people aren't like super excited to be alive and there. Uh, but they are focused on that the sounds plan. familiar. Uh, uh, Rand catches everyone up on the last bit of his story. And then they sit down to wait for Huron to arrive with more info. Because uh, I guess he got sent out to see if he could go ahead and catch the trail at this point to at least give them an idea. Which is so interesting. You almost died because of smoke inhalation, but now you're fixed. Go to your job. I mean... It's what he wants. That's yeah. what he wants to do. He's like, it's not your fault. You're a lord. Please step on me more. <laughs> there was a line that I pulled out earlier from like the beginning of the last chapter. Where like Huron's getting more and more formal and it's frustrating Rand. And Rand says, Huron, I'm sorry. I should not have shouted at you. It's your right, my lord, Huron said simply. If I don't do the way you want, it's your right to shout. Rand stepped towards the sniffer with the intention of grabbing the man's collar and shaking him. So yeah, Huron's in there. Huron is like the definition of a bootlicker. Yes, that's what I was trying to go for. But I just (laughs) couldn't word because there were too many statements in my head. So Huron comes back and... Uh, informs them of the direction that the people that stole the horn went and that the only place that they could have gone then is Lord Barthonis's manor, which means that this guy now has both the horn and the dagger. And they all agree that their best bet is to sneak in and get it, not to assault the uh, mansion or to tell the king. And they figure hey, if this guy let them bring those things in, he's got to be a dark friend. And if they tell the king that he's a dark friend, then the king is going to take the horn and never give it back. But then Matt's like, but he probably wouldn't want the dagger. Hey, do you want to go through with this plan? This sounds fine to me. I just really need the dagger, guys. I mean, he does. I am suffering from extreme withdrawal right now. I need the dagger. He's suffering from evil withdrawal. Yeah. So this is a little glimmer of Matt having character and being interesting and good. Mm-hmm. They decide that Rand should accept Barthonis's invitation to go to a party the following night. And we get a little bit of information on that giant statue outside the city. Yeah, it's it's made to destroy the world. Hmm. Also, uh, this just in, Varen is still a manipulator. She's one of the Aes Sedai. Was there something she said? That was... uh, yeah, I think she manipulates Rand here. Uh, I did not pull out the quote. I think she just makes some oblique reference to the Dragon Reborn. I think, yeah, that sounds right. While, like, waggling her eyebrows at him. <laughs> If only the dragon reborn... Yeah, basically. So chapter 32, Dangerous Words. I literally have no notes for the rest of this section. Wait, like, neither of these chapters? Yeah. Woof. Well, I have, like, a page and a half, so... We'll move through. It's basically a party. Yeah. Uh, Rand, Ingtar, Matt, Loyal, Huron, and Varen arrive at Barthanus's party. And uh, they begin to mingle or go search for the horn, depending on who it is. Uh, so Rand, Ingtar, and Varen, and then I don't remember which group Loyal is with. Uh, but those three, at least, go and head off to the party to see what they can find out. 
and then Matt and Huron and I think Loyal all act as servants. And so they're going off trying to see what information they can gather in the background. But Matt doesn't want to be a servant. No. He's like, I'm above this. Yes. Which... I am from the two rivers. And people are sort of horrified when Matt says he's one of Rand's servants. Like, are they... Is he starving you? (laughs) And my voice. Which... Yeah. So Rand and Barthanus hang out for a bit. And once Barthanus leaves, Rand's like... I thought I was beginning to understand the first layer of the game, but I guess not. I hope we can leave this city soon. He, Rand is just making his way through the party, and he sees Tom performing in one of the rooms. Uh, But he gets cornered by some ladies who are coming on to him pretty strong. Beyond, do you have any feelings about this? They're (laughs) real excited. Yeah. And he just does not know what to do. Perrin would know what to do. Perrin would know. Matt would know what to do. Rand would know what to do. He's just a baby. Yeah, so I was going to say, like, taking a step back, it at least makes sense that Rand is getting cornered like this, because, like, he is 19 years old. He's a blade master from another country, so he's, like, just exotic enough to be interesting but also it's a country that they trade with regularly so it's not like that weird he's tall uh, he's super tall he wears fly threads he wears the flyest threads he plays the flute which is in the top three most romantic instruments (laughs) where are you getting that it's just the truth i don't have to get it from everywhere Name three instruments that are more romantic than the flute. There's a lot of puckering and fingering. Yeah, the violin. See? Harp. Okay. And either guitar or piano. I don't know. I feel like the flute is so, like... I don't know. I disagree. I think the violin, yes. I think the harp, probably. Why are we talking about this? You made it a thing. I'd say the cello is sexier than the flute. Hard disagree. Have you listened to a cello? Have you listened to a flute? Yeah, they're fucking awful. Well, they're so... So essentially, Rand is just super mysterious. He's super mysterious. He's like a great catch, but also these women are maybe throwing themselves at him a little strong. Beyond inhaled, like, they were going to say something. I mean... Do you disagree? No. Would you go after Rand? No. It, it just made me think of the Pride and Prejudice quote where it's a uh, truth universally acknowledged that a man, something, something, having property is in want of a wife. And so basically he's assumed to be a lord, all these things, and he's young. And so like he has a lot of potential. So, But do they want him to be the husband or do they just want Never him to mind. be the baby daddy? Whoa, let's move on. Rand finally manages to break away from this group by basically just walking through the gaggle of them. And saying, hey, I know that guy. I'm going to Tom. <laughs> hey, I think I know that guy. I'm not coming back. So he goes and talks to Tom, and he's doing the, like, hey, I don't actually need to talk to you. I just needed to look like I was talking to you. Laugh after I say this next thing. Yeah. Pretend like I'm very insightful. And Rand agrees that, like, a clean breakup is better for them. 
Tom he says rem- while making things not a clean breakup. Yeah. Uh, Tom reminds Rand that the White Tower invented Dice de Mar since Rand arrived with a like an additional Aes Sedai that uh, was not introduced up to this point. Uh, at least to Tom. And Huron shows up and is like, hey, your uh, other guy broke his leg, so come with me. <laughs> and Rand's like, well, I'll break his other one. <laughs> That'll show him. Which leads us to chapter 33. A message from the dark. Guess who the dark is? Something worse. It's Barthanus. Barthanus is the dark. He gives them a message. But it's from something worse. Yes, that's true. Oh no, what could it be? Uh, so Huron leads Rand away from the party, and they meet up with Matt and Loyal. The dark friends have taken the horn into a grove in the palace garden, and there they met up with some Trollocs, and then they haven't come out. Um, Loyal says they probably went through the waygate that just happens to be in that exact spot, and Rand sends Matt back to the party to grab Ingtar and Varen before they move forward. At this point, Rand decides to move forward. So the three of them climb over the wall between them and the waygate. Uh, just to, hey, we're just going to scope it out. No need to wait for the other people. This is safe and perfectly fine. They open the waygate with Rand intending to just make sure that Huron can still smell inside the ways. And then um, Shin is right there, like already trying to escape and eat them. Rand embraces Sidene and hurls some sort of bright fire, uh, which drives the wind back until Loyal can close the gate. Maybe I misread Makin Sheen as Makin Sin. I mean, that might be how it's supposed to be pronounced. Oh, that's the thing you, you were thinking someone was named Sin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also not a person. It's an amorphous black cloud of death. That could be a person. Well, it's very evil. That could be a person. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. They decide to leave. They don't want to be near this gate anymore. And they run into Matt, who is coming back to them. Matt leads the group to Varen and Ingtar. And Matt, by the way, remembers to begin limping again on the way. So, like, despite all of his, I'm no bloody servant, he's very good at being a servant. So as the group of six leave, uh, Barthanus catches Rand's sleeve and delivers a message from the dark, also from Fane, to come to Tommen Head. It is never over, Althor. He also threatens uh, the two rivers, which is something that gets put in their heads for later. Who's really going to travel all the way over to the two rivers? Fane. Well, I mean, Tommen Head is like right there. So if he's already waiting for him on Toman Head, it's just a short skip and a hop. Yeah. I should did really ge- geographically remember where things are. I was going to say, didn't you memorize the map? No, I didn't. Hashtag fake fan right here. Oh, no. So the group arrives back at the inn. Uh, they discuss what to do. Ingtar wants to beat the lying tar out of Barthanus to get the truth. Uh, but the rest agree that they all need to head to Tom and Head ASAP. Varen suggests the nearby Steading as a place to get started on this, and they all agree to head there at first light. 
Um, she says something cryptic about Rand surrendering to the wheel. And then they all head off to sleep after their eventful night. Hooray for them. What is the system of time in this world? Uh, would like I well, think it's still like days it, and weeks. It, it, and... it says the the first light. So does this mean as soon as the sun rises? Congratulations! It's like five a.m. We're leaving. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I they don't. Wondering. Most of them don't have clocks. I think they mention later that some people have clocks. That's kind of what I meant. Like, are clocks a thing? Is it based no. off the position of the sun? No, clocks are like a luxury item. Okay. So people are more just like, when the sun's in the middle of the sky. Yeah. Okay. Just stare at the sun for a couple minutes until you know what time it is. Okay. I think that's how we've heard people planning things with each other for the most part. Yeah. I mean, they mention hours, okay. but I don't know how that would be tracked except to just kind of guess. Yeah, especially if the world's continent changed. A sundial, maybe? Okay. They, they, the light, they, they'd really love that. I bet it's really beautiful. I was just wondering because, I mean... I can't express enough that when they say the light, they're not referring to, like, the sun. I know the capital L light is different than lowercase light. I just... That's what it sounded like. That's where my brain goes to the weird little things, okay? I just really suddenly cared what things worked in regards to chrono- chronology. Is that how you pronounce Chronology. Chronology. Yes. Chronology. Anyway, so that's the end of the chapter. It was... Um, Boring to read. It was definitely a section. So the good news is... That the next section that we are reading, which I think I said ends at chapter 40. What's important is that uh, the next section is like things actually happen in it. And it is very clearly the setup before the ending occurs. There's like events. (laughs) Events and decisions. Yes. Next week, we'll be discussing how things happen. Shut up. Hopefully. So next week, we are going to be reading chapters 34 through 40, and it will be a more high-energy podcast, a more high-energy episode. It'll be good. We'll chug some Red Bulls beforehand. Yeah. We'll drink a cup of calf. That's a Sean Chan cultural reference. Oh. God, that silence was really loud. Just to emphasize. Jesse, where can people find us? Uh, they can find us on our Twitter, at Wheel Reading. Also, we received a very nice iTunes review from user Musiosaurus. Thanks for the shout-out, Musiosaurus. Thank and you. Yeah, all that type of stuff is much appreciated. We love hearing from everyone and anyone who recommends this show to their friends. Uh, it's all very much appreciated and we we're glad that people want to listen to us yeah it is super lovely thank you well cool uh this has been the third wheel i'm tyler i'm bion and i'm jesse and we'll see you next time